Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. Do you ever get distracted and lose focus of the main thing? It's a common pitfall in coaching and in life, letting the wrong things steal our focus and at times even our joy as a coach. This week, TJ and I talk about common and unnecessary distractions coaches face, how you can recognize and anticipate distractions, and how to keep your focus on the right things for you and your team to stay on track. Before we start, a quick word from PGC Basketball. Coach, one of the easiest ways to make your offense work and win more games is to have a team of lights-out shooters. But most coaches don't have time or don't know how to create a team of deadly shooters. That's where PGC's Fall Weekend Shooting College Camps come in. We'll equip you and your players with the coaching mindset, mechanics, footwork, and training plan every player needs to increase their shooting percentage. If you're tired of not having a team of knockdown shooters who can shred any type of defense, bring them to a shooting college weekend this fall. We have 46 fall camps nationwide, so just go to pgcbasketball.com to find a session closest to you. And as a special bonus, we have waived the fee for coaching Coaches to observe the shooting college course. Over 1,500 coaches attend PGC camps each year, and spots are limited, so reserve your spot today at pgcbasketball.com. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Today, it's me and Lisa, and we're going to talk about distractions. Now, when you think about distractions and the place and the role they play in your season, you probably underestimate these things. You know, distractions can really get you off course. We have great laid plans in the early season, the preseason, but distractions often take us off the course that we want to be on. And we started thinking about this topic as our clinics are coming up. And one of the things that I personally love about clinics is you kind of eliminate distractions. You go away, you're in one place at one time, and you know, you're there by yourself or with your staff or like-minded coaches, but you really get away from things. And I think that helps to eliminate distractions. And it, it, that's some of the time that I do some of my, my best work is when I'm just in that environment. We put ourselves in that environment, but we know in a regular workday, in a regular season, on a regular staff, we have tons of distractions that come up and they can lead to uh, derailing us from the mindset we have to running a good practice. They can derail us in preparation. There's so many things that come up over the course of the season that distract us from the main thing and the mission. Lisa, give me your thoughts on this. What are some distractions that have come up in your coaching career that you think have not helped you to maybe stay the course? I think one that's, an easy one for all of us is just being outcome focused and probably, you know, wanting things to happen faster than they need to. And we really need to be able to take a step back at any moment to say, we stay focused on the process. We tell our players to focus on the process, but sometimes we put this unnecessary burden on ourselves to make it happen yesterday or to, you know, win the next game and, Part of it is understanding, I think you said in the last one, last week podcast that we had, TJ, where it's okay to lose, like just keep getting better. And I think it's about the process, right? Like, do we want to lose over and over again? No, but if we, we all believe that if we stay true to the mission and stay on the course, we will get better. We will reap the rewards. And so we get distracted often by wanting things to happen now. Uh, and wanting to win maybe sooner than our team is ready for, especially if we want to set a great foundation. And so it's really important to keep our eyes on that. Yeah, I think as the coaching in general, I know I've been guilty of this, we can be really reactive to anything that happens. You know, we could 
you know, have an injury and change the whole scheme. We could have a bad game and think the offense doesn't work. There's so many things that can just distract us and take us in those different directions when we think we had the right plan in the beginning. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't change things. I mean, as coaches, we have to be flexible, adaptable, teachable. We got to keep getting better throughout the season. But I think we tend more often than not to be overreactive where we have some things laid out. We have some good plans, but we give up on it really quickly and really early. And, you know, give me some specifics. Like what are some things over the course of your career and different seasons where something has come up and, you know, you're like, oh, one game led to this change that led to this change. And it was almost just like a chain reaction. Hmm. That's a, that's a good question. I would just say generally what happens is you have a bad game, a player has a bad game, certain things are happening, whether it's a turnover challenge, you know, missing too many shots, but then it changes your whole next practice, which can be a really good thing. You know, like if you're experiencing a lot of turnovers and you said before, TJ, maybe your team needs more clarity on what they're doing on offense. Things like that can really help. And they can be symptoms of the bigger problem that you do focus on. So you, you want to be reactive, right, in some ways. But I would say there's there's a time when you take up your whole next practice working on something you're not going to see the rest of the season. Like that would that would be the issue. Yeah, I like that example. So for instance, like if you go in and you get pressed by a team and turn the ball over 19 times, right? We automatically as coaches just get defensive about that. And maybe our next four opponents play pack line or back off the ball and they're not pressuring y'all, but we spend the next two practices working on full court pressure, handling it and doing it. Not that you shouldn't work on it. It's obviously a problem for your team. You know, but could you spread that out maybe five minutes a day for the next week or so? And then as you get closer to the next opponent, work on it more. Most of the time, if something doesn't go well in a game, that does dictate our next practice. And there are times when that is necessary, but there's a lot of times when, like the example you gave, where it's not necessary to just dive in and and go all at that just because you're not going to see it again for four or five, six, eight games and or maybe it was only a particular team that only plays that style. Now, when you come back to that team again and they play that style again, there's probably more preparation that needs to happen. And you probably need to sprinkle in some preparation so it's not all two days before. You know, you need to continue to build on your team's weakness and so that you're ready when that next time comes around, but not overreact to it. You know, that's one of the things because that 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 main thing, you know, what you're doing might help you win 70% of your games, and that might be this little flaw. And now you're given you know, it's that old 80-20 rule, you know, you're, you're giving, you know, 20% to those things that, you know, that are not the most important, but 80% to the things that are the most important. And a lot of times when we get reactive, we flip that and we give 80% of our attention to something that's really not that important. Yeah. Tell me what you think about this, PJ, when, when a coach has a vision for what something needs to look like or be like, and we, let's just stay on the systems and strategies, you know, on court examples for a moment, but how do coaches, you know, they need to have a vision. They need to cast a vision. They need to say, this is how we're going to play. But when, when do they need to be able to step back and allow it to adapt and, and organically grow and evolve with time versus saying, you know, maybe being too rigid as a coach. No, it has to look this way. It's almost too, too much too soon, like a false sense of urgency when, you got to let it evolve, right? You got to let it adapt. And how do you let it adapt to your team that you have at that particular time? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, 
I think that you hear really good coaches say this all the time. And, you know, I hate to repeat it because it's so used, but I really think it's true is the process, right? Like, is there growth in the process? Like, are you continuing to get better? Are you continuing to grow um, in the things that you need to grow in? Because going back to the example we just used, you, you can go all in on something and negate everything else. And one of the, like, this is a pretty good piece of advice that was given to me against from a coach that played against in the same league as Syracuse and and he had some success against Syracuse and I was asking him what was the reason you had success against Syracuse and he said you know I think when people go play Syracuse they spend three four five days just working on attacking a zone and you forget all of the other things that are really important to you playing good defense you know running transition communicate all the things that have been really important to you the time and attacking their zone is part of the game, but it's not the only part of the game that you're going to have to pay attention to. And so I think the process, what it means to me is tracking progress in the things that are most important to you. And you got to make, make sure that you maintain that. I think that helps to keep the balance of what you're trying to do. PJ, do you have an example of a time when you were picking out things that, and maybe in the maybe in the moment, you know, as a younger coach, you were thinking these are the most important. And then now looking back being like, man, those were actually distractions that were keeping me from the main thing. Yeah. I think that one of the things a young coach can do, and I think it's right along the lines of what we're talking about is you can get carried away with the moment, you know, like you can learn something new and make it everything, you know, Oh, we learned this new play or two plays or I, you know, whatever it is. And you just go all in on that and you neglect those other stuff, just like the example I gave in the zone. And I think that can be the mistake of, of a young coach. It, it can be that distraction is what's shining. What's new. I mean, we deal with that in life, right? I mean, what's the new car, what's the new, whatever, just the shiny object gets our attention and we forget to give due diligence, due attention to the things that really over time are going to stack. Like you talked about evolving over time, right? Like if we think that we can just, Oh, I'm going to get this and it's going to fix everything. I think coaches think that way. Well, I'm going to get this offense and everything's going to be better. But the reality of it is if you don't have good habits of jump stopping, making solid passes, shot fakes, whatever, no matter what offense you run, it's likely not to, to, to reach its potential. And I think that's where, Definitely as a young coach and even now more of a seasoned veteran coach, I still sometimes have to battle that and get away from those distractions of the new shiny object and whatever, you know, might be enticing to me. And I think about that in clinics a lot, you know, clinics are awesome. Like they're so good with all the information and, you know, at our clinics coming up, there's gonna be so many good speakers, so much good information, but really we're the filter of that information. You know, what do we use? What do we, I mean, some of it is just good to learn so that you're prepared for a team that you play, that you know how to do this particular thing or combat this particular thing, but you might not even use it, but we can easily just hear something and just try and use all of it. And that can become a distraction to us. PJ, that's a really good point. I think about, you know, we have a, a lot of outside speakers coming to our clinics and what I take away is just I love seeing how all these different coaches do things and I think it, at some point when it we as we as we mature as a coach as a person we realize we're we are less distractible ho distractible hopefully because we're more firm on the things that are the most important we're more firm on our convictions as a coach and the and the way we know we can coach the way our style you know how we deliver it and so 
I really listen to examples coaches give of, you know, how they had a particular conversation with the player, how they spoke to their team in the locker room, like how they problem solved a certain situation. Like those are things I feel like I get the most from, from other coaches experience, less about the X's and O's because we all have our own teams. We all have our own circumstances, levels of play, et cetera. Um, And there's so many coaches out there doing it really well in an authentic way. And it's like, that helps me find my authentic way, hearing their journey, hearing the steps that they take, because I think that helps us be less distractible because yes, it's going to take time to get there, but we can get there sooner by picking up these little uh, experiences of other coaches. Yeah. And I think, you know, asking good questions is important. I I think that definitely early in my career when I was around other coaches and at clinics, I asked the wrong questions. And so I just give an example. Somebody introduces a new offense and you love it and it's great. You know, it's just the shiny new thing, which may be the offense that you need, you know, but what you need to be asking them is, Hey, what things make this offense special? Like what habits do you work on every day? What do you do in practice to make this offense better? Because most of the questions come around, okay, well, if so-and-so does this, what do you do here? And so-and-so does this, what do you do here? But usually the magic in any offense or defense is in the details and the little things. And because a clinic, you don't have, you know, 10 hours with that person. You ask the questions that are relevant, but maybe not the most important. I would consider that a distraction too. If you're really trying to get the meat of it, ask them, why has this worked? Like get the why behind the what, don't just get the what. And so many times we go and we just want the what, and we think, okay, you know, we'll figure this out as we go, but they've done it. They've got experience in this. So getting the why behind the what can save you from distractions. Mm -hmm. And asking how, what they've learned along the way, like what, what led them to, if they say some, they might have some principles of, you know, what, how they implemented an offense or defense or a style of player in their player development. Like what made you be become so convicted about this thing? Because they're probably going to tell you of the three things they learned and did wrong um, and yeah. how they failed. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, Rick will be at a lot of our clinics and introducing the read and react offense and going deeper in the read and react offense. And that's one that I've experienced for over a decade. And you know, if I was to give somebody advice on any offense, but specifically the read and react is, you know, ask those questions. Cause you're right. I mean, they're going to tell you what hasn't worked. They've been through it. I've been through it. I've gone through and said, oh, these are the, the best learnings. And I would give that same advice as, you know, I, I know a lot of people that run the offense. I know a lot of people just like any offense. Oh, they give up on it earlier. They do that. And most of the time, it's because they haven't really learned how to operate the offense. They just know how to run it. You know, they just know how to do it, but they really know how to operate it. And that's where the magic comes, but you're not going to get to the root of the magic. If you're asking the wrong questions, if you're looking for the wrong things, if you really spend time on the 20%, not the 80%. And a lot of times we think the 80% is the what, but the 80% to me is the why. And that 20% is the what, you know, even if you, didn't have completely down the what, but you understood some of the special things that make it happen, I think you'd run better offense. And so, you know, that's where those distractions can be plentiful is when you spend so much time on the what specifically in systems and strategies. DJ, let's talk about culture distractions, because I, I feel like this is a really big one for coaches and especially coaches who want to do things the right way, who 
you know, maybe if they're turning around a program, especially, but also coming into a team each year and thinking and reminding yourself, this is a new team, but how do we get distracted by maybe trying to, again, that false sense of urgency, like we got to change the culture today. And, you know, I know coaches who've implemented 15, 20 rules on their team. You can't do this. You know, you you can't have your phones before uh, practice or games and you got to act like this and we got to dress like this. And it's almost like they're trying to do all these little tiny things and they want it to look and be perfect. But I don't know if that's the best way to get buy-in when you're especially coming in new to say, what are the like handful, you know, the three to five most important things and principles that I can help guide this team and then help them live that out organically which is going to make it more authentic. They're going to be more all in on a culture that fits them, right? Instead of just fits us. What advice would you give the coaches there? Yeah, very much the same as systems and strategies. It's funny. I think the word you use there is organically. I mean, I think that, you know, a culture, when I think about culture, I just think about the way you do life. Like what's our culture of my family? You know, what's the culture of my team? What's the culture? Like, if anything that you do, like, how do you actually do life every single day? What I find coaches getting the most enamored with, and I can almost see the radar go up and I'll say, hey, here's an activity we do with our team to help build culture. And they take that activity and they think that they can plug and play that. And there is culture. But you're going to do that activity. Hopefully it helps with your culture. But what you do the next day and the day after and the day after are more important than the actual activity. Like, how do you live that out constantly? And that, again, goes back to the distraction. Like, I think you can get distracted by thinking that I can just plug and play and walk away from culture. I just do this and then it's over. I do this and then it's over. I do this and then it's over. But you know, culture is a full-time job. It is the way that you live life every day. There's a lot of times, like when I'm leading my own family, when, you know, I'm present, I'm a good listener, where I speak kindly, where I, you know, all of those things where build great culture. And, you know, yeah, maybe we take the kids to the movie and everyone had a good time that helps with the culture, but that is not the culture. And we can easily get distracted by thinking taking them to the movies is the culture and it's not. And so, um, you know, again, that goes back to the why behind the what and asking the questions. And, you know, when I think about culture, I think a big part of dealing with culture is handling problems, handling distractions, handling things that don't go well. And a lot of times we think that, you know, that going to the movie is going to avoid problems. And it's not about that, you know, really in all of these, in these categories, it's not about avoiding distractions because we know distractions are going to be present. We know distractions are going to be part of the process. It's, it's not avoiding them. It's how do I handle these better? How do I prepare for these better? How do I keep the course when these distractions come? That is really the gist of how to run a good culture or to persevere in your systems and strategies. And, there is no quick fix for it. None of it comes easy. Nothing good comes easy or most things that are good don't come easy. And so, yeah, I, I really, I think it's, it's really crucial. You like systems and strategies to the 80, 20 and the 80 being the why and the 20 being the what, you know, so the, you know, the team bonding, the going to pizza, the whatever, like those are the 20%. Those are the things that help your culture, spur your culture, but they are not your culture. That's a, an important piece to remember, TJ. And it reminds me of what Bo Hansen said when he was on about, you know, we have our disc profiles and that we have two versions of ourselves. One, like we have the version of our natural, most natural selves that 
we can't really stay in that bubble because we need to be able to grow. And then we have our adaptive, like what do we, you know, who I am as a person really wasn't the same as who I was uh, as an athlete or, you know, how I am at home isn't necessarily how I am as a coach because you have to be more assertive. You have to be more direct, things like that. And so I think with, with the culture and, and thinking about our players, like we, we need to help them grow. And when I was talking to my husband, Brennan, about this topic this morning, he had a great line, I, I thought anyway, but he said, when you plant a tree, you don't get to tell it how many branches it has. And sometimes we try to, we want to plant the tree. We want to water it a specific way. And then we want to control too much of it. And I think that puts our players, our coaches, our, our culture into a, it has to be a certain way. And I think the best teams find a way to be the, the most themselves, but also become a group, you know, also be united, also adapt and sacrifice and give extra where they need to. But it's in this more organic uh, way of, okay, what does that look like? And what does it look like this year? And it's not going to look like our previous five years. You know, I think sometimes we, we want to go back to that team that, oh, I wish the culture of that team two years ago was so good. Let's try to get back to that. Like you'll never get back there. And so we have to understand that we're going to cast a vision that we it's not going to look like it looks like in our head because we don't have all the answers. We really don't know what we don't know yet. Yeah. I would say living in the past is a distraction, you know, like living on last two years, culture, last year's culture. I, I think those are all distractions. I think control of the culture can be a distraction rather than being a part of the culture and helping the culture be better. You know, as coaches, we, we want control. We want like you, the, you know, what you talked about with the branches, you know, we, we want them to grow a certain number of branches a certain way. And that can be a distraction versus, Hey, you know what, this culture is going to evolve. It's going to change this year's team's different than last year's team. It's not going to be the same culture as three years ago. You know, all of that can distract you from being present and, and making that year's culture the best that it can be. And I, I think all of these things, we might not have labeled them distractions before, but they are distractions. They are things that keep you from the main thing. They're the, they keep you off purpose and you want to be on purpose. And, you know, the, one of the hardest things, just because by nature, I think coaches, we are wired for control. You know, like we, we're leaders. We want to get people doing the right thing. But there is a lot of times when we have to surrender to culture and let it go its own way and help guide it. And when I think about it, it's it's almost more you know, while we're talking about nature, it's almost like a river, you know, I mean, it's going to flow where it flows now to help it make sure that it's flowing downstream. That's what we want to do, uh, but we might not be able to control whether it flows left or right or whatever, but we got to keep it going downstream. And because it worked, you know, three years ago, and that's what kept it downstream doesn't mean it's going to work this year to keep it downstream. And that can be a major distraction to us as a coach. DJ, what are the most important things that help you stay centered and focused on the main thing you know when when we say keep the main thing the main thing and you walk into the office on a day in and day out basis during your season like what are the big check boxes that you're like I need to make sure these are okay to make sure my program is going in the right direction and I'm focused on the process yeah you know you gave Brandon a shout out so I'll give Aaron a shout out here she's um she's reading a book called present over perfect and it's been one of my challenges as a coach you know because I want to get this right and I want to do that right 
And many times, specifically in running a culture or becoming a master teacher, it's more important to be present than to be perfect. And when I think about um, that, for me, it's been a, it's been very much a challenge, but very much a necessity. You know, like uh, when you're present, you you hear your team's voice. When you're present, you hear the heartbeat of your team. When you're available. Um, sometimes that's more than enough. Like you think about hard times people go through and I know early on in my marriage, early on in coaching early, I wanted to have all the answers to everything. And sometimes more important than the answer was to just be there and be available. And I think as coaches, we again, go back to that nature of control and we can easily, easily get distracted from being present. We can easily be distracted from being available to people. And um, when we're not present, when we're not available, and we're just seeking more and more control, um, we're probably not hearing what we is going on in our culture. We're not hearing what our players need. And that is very true of anything, systems and strategies, master teaching, you know, like, if we're just focused on control, we're probably not present and paying attention to what is going on offensively. You know, this is hard for 12 out of my 14 players. That's a sign to you. If you're not present, you're not going to see that. And so I think it applies across all of the, all of the key five categories, player development. I think about player development, same thing, you know, like we get everybody doing this particular thing and it might not be natural to that person. It might not be the best return on investment, but we're just going to push our agenda forward and but if we're present, there's you know another thing in player development where we can see that and say, you know what, they this might need to be adapted for them, or I need to spend more time on this with them because I'm spending hours in the gym with this player on something they're never going to use, and 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 you don't recognize that stuff when you're just pushing an agenda forward. Yeah, talking about master teaching, uh, I was recently talking about it to a coach about you know if we wanted to get better at teaching, wanted to get better at you know the points of emphasis and saying okay. You go out on the floor to work out. Like, do you have an objective? What's the most important thing to get better at? Okay. Then do you know what's the most important teaching point? What does that player need to be focused on in order to get better at that specific skill? And what are the anticipated errors? You know, Doug Lamov talked about on the podcast and in his new book, but what do we see going wrong here? What are players going to get distracted by themselves? What are they going to start doing? What do you, you know, what are the tendencies of your players here? Is it you know not to give enough effort? They need to know what a game like rep is, especially for younger players. And we talked about too, it's funny how it takes us a little bit to get in the minds of our players when teaching to say, if I tell them just to do this thing, you know, the skill that I heard of, you know, we were talking about moving them off the line. Yes, that's really important when coming off the on-ball screen, but why is it important? It's important because you need your defender to hopefully get off balance. When they're off balance, they're not going to be able to jump the screen or defend you as well coming off of it, right? So it wasn't just, well, I need my players to move them or jab step every time before they use a screen. No, you need your players to be creative, to problem solve, to say, can I use the screen appropriately because they're already off balance or what can I do to get them off balance? Because it's going to look a lot of different ways for different players. Not everybody's going to have an awesome jab step, but some of your players are going to be great ball handlers. Like, there's a little bit of creativity that we can leave room for if we really hone in on what are the most important things and let our players work through that. And then they're going to buy into it and own it because they're going to feel that autonomy that is so motivating to all of us. 
Yeah. That's the distraction of what, you know what I mean? Like you're, you, they don't understand, Hey, why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this because I need to get to this particular spot to get this shot or that pass. Right. It doesn't look the same for everybody, but we can easily get carried away with making it the same for everybody because we're so focused on the what, and really it's how do I accomplish the mission? How do I get the job done? And that's going to look different for different players. And that goes back to, Hey, if I, if I not paying attention to the why, and I'm really focused on the what, and all I can think about is driving the cattle forward, then I'm not going to be the person that's adaptive. And that's important for master teaching. If you're going to be a master teacher, you have to be adaptive. And, um, and again, that fights our nature of control when we're trying to adapt, it fights our nature of control when we're giving players freedom to figure out the best way for them to do this. And, you know, and the other thing sometimes that I think reason coaches go that way is time is because, oh, this is going to take too long. Just do it my way. Let's get it over, you know. And what you're asking yourself is, am I okay um, sacrificing the best way to get there and the best way to do this because I don't have time? And, you know, I love John Wooden's old quote, you know, if you don't have time to do it right, make sure you have time to do it over. And that's where I would push back or fight coaches on things sometimes that take longer. And this is what is this not true of? I mean, this is true of system strategy. This is true of culture, of all of those things, things that are really good take time. And, and we've got to be able to make sure that we've created the space and time to do that. And we oftentimes don't create that space and time because we're just very agenda driven. DJ, how can coaches you know, recognize that they're distracted? Because a lot of us, you know, maybe some coaches listening are feeling, well, I mean, I, I feel pretty good. I'm trying to keep the main thing, you know, front and center and I'm focused. But sometimes we don't realize how distracted we are. And I was just thinking of what you were talking about, the symptom of if you're starting to cut corners or you're worried about time, you might be distracted. How, how do you assess whether you're distracted or maybe one of your other coaches is distracted? What are some symptoms you look for? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I don't know that I've thought through exactly like all of the symptoms of it. But I think for me, like being present, like no, like when I'm in touch with what's going on, then I recognize that I'm, I'm in that mode where I'm not really, you know, focused and I can get distracted. And But you also think in being present though, you might miss the big picture, right? Cause that's, it's, you talked about being too much in the moment for a young coach and reactionary. It's, it's really about that balance because as a head coach, you got to hold that big picture as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're oftentimes like a telescope as a coach, we got to zoom in and we got to zoom out. You know, there's so many different times and that, that is why coaching is so hard. I mean, I've said this before, but like, you know, I mean, I don't, can't think of many professions where you have to constantly do that. You know what I mean? Like if you're a lawyer, you're focused on this. If you're a doctor, you're focused on that, you know, like those type of things. When you're a coach, you got to be focused on small things, zoom out and focus on the big picture. You know, like there's times in culture and teaching and system and strategies where you need to be zoomed in. There's times when you need to be zoomed out. And, you know, I, I think that that is both a really hard thing, but one of the most fun things about coaching too, is that you're just honing this ability to, to, morph and to, to be who you need to be in these different times in these different areas in these different places. And, you know, that, that is really hard to do when you're just constantly again, focused on the what, you know, when you, but when you can 
sometimes zoom into the what and then zoom out to the why and then zoom back into listening to be taught now then zoom back out to the wide lens picture that you need to see like that that is that is what makes coaching so difficult and i think it's really hard for a lot of us to do that but it also is an attainable skill you know it's it it when I think about this, like the coaches that I know that do this really well, like what are the things that they do? I think they have humility about them. I think that they have voices that speak to them. You know, I think there's people in their life, whether it's assistant coaches or mentors or whatever, that they're able to to have not just their own opinion, not just to be honed in on what they're doing. Like, I think you have to have other voices. I think you have to be willing to hear your players' voices. I think you're having to, will, you know, and again, all of those things that if it's, I, I honestly think there's less distractions, the more people you involve. I think there's more distractions when you're just in your own head and you're doing your own thing. And so I think a good way to tune out distractions is to have multiple voices. And so that you're not always just relying on your own opinion, your own thoughts, your own vision. Yeah. I think about that. Our last episode of, you know, what happens if you don't have talent or height, heart and resources. And really you look at that and you go, well, that's coaching. The job of a coach is to problem solve to put the, we're never always going to have everything perfect. Like that's the fun of it is that we're needed to help solve this problem, to uh, put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think we're distracted when we're more focused on the problem, what we don't have, than the opportunity that's in front of uh, in front of us, the job that we get to do, right? I think that's where if if you can catch yourself talking, you know, more about the solution and the opportunity and your enthusiasm for solving that problem. I, mean, I get excited about solving problems. And that feels really good. And I think your team gets uh, motivated about that as well. And so, but if you're always talking about the problem and then you're probably getting distracted or you're talking about something that's even outside of your control, you're probably distracted. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I've got one final thought on, you know, just in general um, distractions is that, I really think it's important to build a team of people because we're going to have distractions that come up over time that we need help with. Like, you know, we need, you know, there's, I tell my players all the time, you know, it's probably going to be healthy for you to, to check out of two practices this year, just to say, I can't go, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. I've got some major tests. My body's not feeling well, whatever. You're probably just going to have to say, coach, I don't think today I should go. And I think the same is true for coaches. There's probably, you know, one, two, three days a year when, you know, you don't have to not go or not be there, but maybe you just need to give the voiceover to the assistant coaches. Maybe you need to make it more of a player run practice because on that particular day, you're so distracted, they could do a better job than you. And, and so I think building a team of people that can help you through these distractions. And that can mean so many things like in today's culture. I mean, that can mean counseling, you know what I mean? Like having people to speak to, having somebody to help you through your problems that can be um, your pastor, your priest, it could be your spouse. It could be a circle of friends. It could, I don't know who it is in your life, but we are going to get distracted by multiple things over the course of the season. We talk specifically around, you know, basketball, keep eye type things, but there's also life distractions. There's so many things that come into to you. And, and there's going to be a couple of days a year where you can't go. And who are you going to call on? Who are you going to rely on to make sure they uphold the standard and they're, they're, they're keeping things going forward? So don't be afraid to ask for help 
and distractions, you know, and it could be something like systems and strategy. Don't be afraid to ask somebody for advice. Don't be afraid to get somebody to view your practice. Don't be afraid to ask for players feedback on what they're really struggling. I mean, there's so many different things and you, you, you know, you hit the head on the nail when you said, you know, be a solution oriented and, and recognize that you don't always have the solution. And I think that applies to life as well. You know, I mean, there's times when we just need help. We just need to talk to somebody. We just need people in our corner. We just need, you know, and I think the humility to do that and, and the dropping your pride be, and recognizing that help is not a bad thing can really, really help you when distractions come your way over the course of the season. So just wanted to drop that last thought on there. And Lisa, thanks for spurring on so many really good questions and, and giving your advice as well. And thanks for Brendan for his contribution to, as well today. Um, but, you know, I think this is an important topic for coaches. I mean, distractions are just a part of, of what we do. And the better you become at distractions, the better you're going to become as a leader and the better your team's going to be uh, because of it. And the better we are at it, the more we can teach our players to navigate distractions because their life is going to be full of distraction. And so uh, we can't, we can't not give this topic its due because it's going to make you a better person. It's going to make you a better coach. So, you know, thanks so much for, for joining uh, today. And um, she is Lisa. I am TJ and we are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you haven't already, don't forget to check out PGC's coaching clinics. There are six locations to choose from, and each clinic will feature a variety of topics and speakers, which you can check out now at pgccoaching.com. From the Harwood Hustle team, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Harwood underscore Hustle. We can't wait to be with you again next week.